For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. in forever we took quite the extended vacation which was much needed and actually if I'm doing the math it may have been right at a month since we last did this show that's pretty bad and I I apologize for that there, there's no need in us uh, taking that kind of time off it's unacceptable really is. Okay, it wasn't quite a month. Our last show was on the 25th of March. So it was like three weeks. Not quite three weeks, but it seemed like a long time. But I'm excited to be back. We finally got a lot of stuff in order where I could come back to you guys and produce you another podcast. If you are listening or watching the show live, you know that we are now doing the show on Facebook until further notice because YouTube is in the business of placing new rules each and every day on who can do what with their channel, especially when you are a conservative broadcaster. They make it that much harder for you to put your content out there. Uh, But they've got this new rule where you can't go live on YouTube if you don't have like a 1,000 subscribers which we do not have. We're like two, 200 short of that mark. But that's fine. I don't mind doing it on Facebook. It may be more convenient for y'all. For all I know, I'm just uh, I'm just excited to be here. Excited to be back. A lot of stuff going on that we got to talk about. I'm not even going to attempt to go over the things that we missed while I was gone. Because 
of all the things going on now and all the things that are going to be happening later this week. Thursday, we I can't promise you anything for tomorrow, although we're going to try and bring you a show. But there will be a show on Thursday. Why is that? Because that will be the day the Mueller report is finally released. And uh, it's going to be... Actually, it, it's not going to change anything. It's, it's just going to be a, an instance of Bill Barr and Donald Trump keeping their word that they would release this thing and release as much as they can. But as far as the minds of the people that want this report the most... Their opinions will not change. The only reason they want the report at this point is so they can get it and take whatever they can out of context. They're only going to be looking for for things that shine Donald Trump in a bad light, that demonize Trump. So they'll take those instances in the report, twist them and spin them and curve them uh, and uh, paint whatever picture they feel is best for their agenda. That's no surprise. You guys know that. You're not stupid. You know what they're doing. So that's what's going to happen on Thursday. But we'll make sure we're here Thursday night so we can break that stuff down for you. Uh, And it'll be exciting nonetheless if you are a news nerd like myself. Also, want to say thank you to all the people that showed so much love yesterday and on Friday uh, when I filled in for Matt Murphy at 99.5, I sat in with Andrea Lindenberg, always having a good time when I go up there. And uh, they'll have me back soon, hopefully. And I'll let you guys know when that happens. It's just good to be back uh, on the airwaves like that because it, it feels a little bit like home. It's like home, and I miss it. So it's always fun, always fun. All right, let's get this thing started. First of all, As you guys know, what's been uh, uh, consuming the news this week has been the fire in Paris at Notre Dame. Notre Dame. I'm going to call it Notre Dame, even though I hear a lot of people calling it Notre Dame. But we call the university here in the U.S. Notre Dame. And I'm going to call this Notre Dame. Okay? I'm just going to do it. We're from Alabama. That's just how we talk. So Notre Dame, as we know, catches on fire. Absolutely a tragic, tragic situation there as there is so much history. Over 800 years, I believe, of of history in that house of worship. Some stuff that's, that's irreplaceable. Stuff that's absolutely priceless. They turned out they saved a lot of it. Uh, but there's still a long way to go in rebuilding it. They they have some cool technology that I just read about before the show where they've got these, uh, some sort of 3D x-ray image kind of deals that are going to help them get a get a, a very detailed idea of how that thing was built before the fire. So when they go to rebuild it and rebuild it in the exact fashion that it that it was in before this fire, uh, that's obviously going to be of significant importance. So uh, that'll be good as they do that. Lots of people, lots of wealthy people donating money to make sure that happens. But a lot of those artifacts and a lot of that artwork uh, that was in there, they, they got a lot of it out 
with uh, no little to no damage, I suppose, which is a very, very good thing. Uh, but what's left on that front is figuring out exactly how that fire started. And the last I've seen, there is no indication that we're even close to figuring out how this started. But there's a lot of speculation. A lot of speculation on a lot of people's part. And that's okay. That's just how these things go. And of course, we've got to politicize it and all this kind of other stuff. Uh, especially when it fits a particular party's uh, agenda. But the speculation was really cut and dry, and it's not necessarily absurd for people to think this way, is it was one of two things happened that started this fire. It was either a, uh, it was either accidental, some sort of uh, accident happened that, that started this blaze, or, or it was arson, or somebody deliberately set this fire. Now, as we know, there are some people, some groups of people that would have some sort of reason under the guise of hate in their heart or under the under the guise of their religion, a reason to set this fire. But we have no evidence pointing in that direction just yet. I did, however, watch the the reaction from a lot of people on social media as the news broke and as, as the many news outlets and, and Facebook Live videos showed the the images of, of of this church burning. And I couldn't help but notice on a couple of them that there were not just inappropriate comments comments that were mocking the fact that this church was on fire, but a lot of laughter on the part of a lot of people. First to the comments, and a lot of these are on Twitter. They're not directly reacting to a, to, to a video of it, but they're, they're talking about it, obviously. I just want to read you a couple of these to give you an idea of what some people think. Because if, if you're just watching the media and you're not really watching average Americans' reaction, if that's what you can want to call these people, uh, you see a media landscape on the left and the right that are mourning the loss of this church. There's no real political divide on that front between the most polarizing people in politics, and that is the media. But some of the people on Twitter are saying things like, Notre Dame burning is cosmic karma for all the historical sites and artifacts France destroyed and stole when being colonialist scum. That's right. Colonialist scum. It's payback, according to this guy. Another Twitter user with the handle at gay god dot gay god dot they called the fire quote the most uh aesthetically pleasing visually something I've ever seen. 
while the Twitter account for the U.S.-based far-left pro-Palestine publication called The Jewish Worker said, quote, Genuinely awful, but if you mourn for this one building and not say the entirety of Syria, your white supremacy is showing. Do you hear that? If you don't mourn for what's going on in Syria, if you don't mourn for what, quote-unquote, the Jews are doing to Palestinians, then you are obviously a white supremacist. White supremacist, white supremacist. You're both combined. Which is the argument we hear when they don't agree with you. You're a racist, you're a white supremacist, blah, 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 blah. Uh, what's some other ones? Da, 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 da. I won't go through many of these, but, but what I found the, the most appalling was if you went to some of these videos on, say, one of these international news sites, I don't know, the BBC or whatever, and were watching one of these live videos, and you guys uh, may have the opportunity on Facebook to go back on some of these videos and just look at the reactions. You know, on Facebook, you, you've got at the bottom where it says you can hold on. I'm going to pull, pull it up real quick and tell you exactly what it is. You got the like button, the heart button, the, the laughing emoji, the wow emoji, the crying emoji, and then the angry emoji, right? You got all those. There was an extraordinary amount of laughing emojis posted on this video, this, this, in, this video in particular that I'm looking at, uh, out of, let's see, out of 12,000 reactions... 1,341 of them were the laughing emoji as this church was burning to the ground. So I thought to myself, hmm, I wonder who are these people that are laughing at this, this house of worship burning to the ground? So I click it, start flipping through the names. I notice there are... A lot of them, a lot of the names are written in Arabic. And a lot of the names are Muhammad and Hassan and uh, Ali something, something, something. Basically, a lot of Muslim people are laughing at the burning of this church. And I don't want to go conspiracy theory on this, but I know a lot of you, because I know you well, and I'm a therapist, a lot of you guys thought to yourself, when this happened, could this be an act of terrorism? And there's nothing wrong with thinking that. Could this be an instance of Islamic, radical Islamic terrorism? Because that would be a big old W on the terrorist board to burn down this centuries-old church with all these different artifacts celebrating the 
Catholic religion, celebrating Catholicism. That would be a big win for these guys, right? So you thought it. I'll be honest, I thought it. And I thought to myself, you don't need to really jump to conclusions. It, it may, it, it's probably just an accident. It, it would be crazy to sit here and just blame Muslims, you know, Islamophobia and all this kind of stuff. You don't want to be an Islamophobe. Nobody wants to be an Islamophobe. It's awful. Why would anybody want to be that? And then I see this. Then I see all of these laughing emojis on these videos, and they're all Muslim names. All of them. And from what I can tell, they're all dudes as well. I don't see any girls on this list. But they're all Muslim names. And I, I can go through and check the profile and see where they're from or all that. But it makes you wonder. If these people aren't terrorists and they're just your average Muslims, they, they believe in Islam, that's how they grew up, whatever. They're just average Muslims. Why would average Muslims laugh at something like that? It's because the religion of Islam breeds hate. It really does. If you take it at its fundamental roots, it breeds hate for anyone who does not believe in that religion, who does not believe in that God, does not believe in that prophet. If you've ever read the Quran, I've read, I, I haven't read the entire thing, but I've read uh, several portions of it, good chunks of it. And it does. Where you have Christianity that basically says everybody really needs to believe in this. If you want to live eternally, if you want to spend eternity with your heavenly Father, then this, this is what you got to do. And it's on you as a Christian to go and spread the word, spread the good news, tell people about it. But if they don't want to listen, if they mock you, if they don't want nothing to do with it, what are you to do? You are to love them anyway, right? Just love them anyway. But however, when you go to these other religions, they don't tell you to follow that up with just loving them. They tell you this person is an enemy of Allah and action must be taken. If you interpret it as it's written. And the argument it can be made, and rightfully so, that there are plenty of moderate Muslims that believe solely in Islam that don't interpret it this way. And that's fine. That's good. It's good for them. But there are so many more, more than I think people realize, that interpret this in the literal sense, as it's written, and view the world through that lens. View people that do not conform to Islam as an enemy to their God 
And it is their job bestowed on them by their God to take action against those people. That's why that religion is so dangerous. Now, the media, the left, the Democrats, they'll convince you that the most dangerous religion on the planet, and especially in this country, is Christianity. Because Christianity, they have beliefs like gay marriage is wrong. Being a homosexual is wrong. Abortion is wrong. And those are the real tragedies that someone would have a religion that teaches them that that kind of stuff is wrong. And that they would even act on it and try to stop it. Try to stop it through legislation. Through the laws of this country. When really, that's not the case. That really hasn't happened. I don't know if y'all noticed. (laughs) But both of those things are legal. But when it comes down to it, when you get to the brass tacks, in Christianity, you believe those things are wrong. But if someone continues to do it or believes it's okay to do it, you're supposed to love them anyway. Not kill them. Not not hack them up with a machete. And not burn down their churches. The act of burning down churches is not new uh, to the Islamic faith. It's not new to the uh, the extreme Muslims. That's what they do. If it's not their church, if it's not a mosque, they go after it. And that's why this should be no surprise to anybody that you've got a bunch of people that happen to be Muslim that are laughing at the fact that this church is burning to the ground. They, they, they love it. They relish it. No surprise there. And it should also be no surprise that Democrats, leaders in this country, are making light of that same situation. They're not brave enough to outright laugh at it or mock it. But they show no reverence towards what's happened or towards that house of worship. Stay, take Steve Cohen, for instance. Steve Cohen, representative in the house from the beautiful state of Tennessee. Tennessee being God's country. You see this? For those of you watching live, this right here. This is the Tennessee state flag. This represents God's country, right? Unfortunately, they messed up and elected this guy. And uh, he's still there. Tennessee should be absolutely embarrassed. He took this situation and, and took this opportunity to compare the Trump presidency to the fire that has taken down this church. And he doesn't see anything wrong with it. He was on with Chris Matthews uh, just yesterday. Listen to a little bit of this. I think there's a case for obstruction. There's a case for emoluments violation. I filed articles last, last year. I haven't brought them up this year, but we're getting so far along in seeing what this president's done and what he's done to the Constitution, what he's done to the people's respect for our government. Uh, what he has done to the Constitution and the rule of laws is, is as bad as that fire did to Notre Dame. He's torching the entire structure of government and the people's respect for it, and the, and the Congress needs to act. 
Really? <laughs> so the Trump presidency. Hold on, hold on. I gotta, I gotta I play that a... again. For that to even be believed, I'm gonna have to play that again. Steve Cohen from the state of Tennessee. What he's done to the Constitution, what he's done to the people's respect for our government, uh, what he's. No, I passed it. Hang on. Let's try that again. Steve Cohen, everybody. Haven't brought them up this year, but we're getting so far along in seeing what this president's done and what he's done to the Constitution, what he's done to the people's respect for our government. Uh, what he's done to the Constitution and the rule of laws is, is as bad as that fire did to Notre Dame. That. <laughs> that. That is. Uh, that's a bit much. But they have no respect for that, right? Catholicism does nothing for them. It's it's a burden on them. It really is. Only if the immigrants that were coming to this country from Central America knew that the Democrats had no need for Catholicism. Because they, they, they have the abortion thing and the gay marriage thing. They're against all that. And it's just, man, we, we can't feel sorry for them. This is obviously karma. Karma burns down this church because they won't allow us to keep killing babies. And they think homosexuality is wrong. Which really, if we want to break it down, most people that disagree with homosexuality, they're just accepting it. It's just, that's, that's the way it is today. And I don't mean accepting it in a bad way. I don't want y'all to get me wrong. I mean... And the Republican Party has done this as well. They have just accepted the fact that it's going to happen. They can let people know it's wrong, but they're not spending their time and energy to try to keep gay people from being married. Because really, let gay people get married. Whatever they want to do. I don't care. It's up to them. As long as you love them the way you're supposed to love them, let them do what they want. And really, marriage should have never even gotten to this point. If we're being honest, the government has no business dealing with marriage licenses or, or anything of the sort. It should have been left up to the churches. The only reason the government was ever involved with marriages in the first place was because the Democrats were making a concerted effort to make sure white people didn't marry black people. That's why the government is in the marriage business. Just a little history for you there. But she he's not the only one. Steve Cohen's not the only one. As you know, lovely Representative Ilan Omar, Ilhan, she had to make a comment on it as well. And she attempted, in her radical Muslim way, the hardest she could, to show some sort of sympathy towards this tragedy in Paris. So, she tweeted this. Art and architecture have a unique ability to help us connect across our differences and bring people together in important ways. Thinking of the people of Paris and praying for every first responder trying to save this wonder. She called it art and architecture. Art and architecture. Not a church, not a house of worship, not a, not a, not a beloved place of worship, 
among the the Catholic community, and really all communities, because people of all religions go and uh, visit that thing every year. I think 12 million people walk through there every single year. But to her, it's nothing more than art and architecture. It's just some history stuff. It's museum stuff. It's old, dusty museum stuff. No, it is still a house of worship. It is still a church that holds services, that holds mass. But to her, can't be recognized as such. You know why? Because these people think it's Islam or nothing. They think it's Islam or death. There's no in-between. There's no compromise. There's no other secondary religion that you can believe in. It's all Islam or nothing at all. And this comes on the heels of several other comments that she's made and has been making. Really, she she made some comments that really pushed it over the edge when she referred to 9-11 as something that some people did. Some people did something as if it's just a thing, not a big deal. No reverence yet again. But nobody should have been surprised by that. Because she has been making these disrespectful, anti-Semitic comments for two months straight. Ever since she's been in Congress, she's been making these comments. She's had to, uh, she's, she's been disavowed by her own party. Even though, see, her party's leadership, even though that was short-lived. But they had to distance themselves from it because it was so bad. They couldn't, they couldn't be anywhere near it politically. It was not good for them, even though they agree with everything she says. The thing is, the Democratic Party has always been this radical. They've always been this radical. But they've tried to hide it. They've had to hide it. If they ever wanted to have power, they've had to hide it. Well, now, some people have been elected that don't understand that part. They've, the, the, the new people have been elected, and they're saying these things out loud. And wondering why the leadership in their party is all of a sudden acting like they're against it. It's like your kid, you know, you're, you you sit on the couch with your kid and watch TV and you're like, pull my finger and you fart or you 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 make a, a you, you crack a joke you wouldn't necessarily say in public. And then you get out in public and your kid comes up and he pulls your finger and then he farts and you're right there in the grocery store in front of everybody. Or you ran into an old friend and your kid's farting in front of him and saying this nasty joke. And you're horrified. That your kid's doing this in public. And your kid looks at you being horrified and says, What's wrong? I thought this is what we do, cuz. Why aren't you so shocked by this? <laughs> That's what's going on. That's what's going on with, with Ilhan Omar. That's what's going on with Ocasio-Cortez. 
They're saying all these things, and they're like, what's the big deal? This is what we all believe, isn't it? But politically, they have to act like they don't believe in that. And they have to pretend that that's not us. We don't think that way. When they always have. Even the most moderate of people. I've, I've got moss in my face. I kept the doors open to the studio because it was burning up in here. Even the most moderate of candidates running for president on the Democrat ticket right now believe these things. And it'll come out. Eventually, it will come out. For instance, the uh, Mayor Pete, as they call him. Mayor Pete from Indiana. He uh, He's announced that he's running for president. Get that out of my face. And uh, he's out there trying to find that middle ground to be able to to garner support from the the moderate Democrats that the current Democrats are currently running off. And also just bring in some never-Trumpers, bring in some Republicans that are on the fence that just get tired of Trump and his tweeting and all this other stuff. Even he feels that way. But he's announced he's running for president. And he's out there. He's hitting the campaign trail hard. And he's he's uh, making comments all over the place. He's making appearances. Morning Joe, every time I turn that stupid show on, they're having a love fest slobbering all over themselves talking about this guy. But even his extremism... His liberal extremism is starting to come out just a little bit. And I don't think he realizes it. Like I said, they try to hide this stuff. But he was at a, a rally in South Bend, Indiana, and literally condemns his base, his current supporters, which is of a new campaign. He condemns them for being too white and not being diverse enough. The new kid on the block who just entered the race is condemning his own supporters because there's not enough black and brown people in the crowds. Okay? Now, as you know, this Pete uh, Butegeg, Butekeg, whatever you call him, he is a white man. He is homosexual. He is also a, a veteran. At least he says. I don't know if anybody's checked that. It's important to do these days. But he is a pasty white gay man. And he is now criticizing his own crowds, his own supporters, for being a little too white. And other Democrats are saying the same thing. David Axelrod, who you know makes sense sometimes, but not always. Actually, not very often. He tweeted, watching... The Mayor Pete announcement from South Bend. Crowd seems very large, very impressive, but also very white. An obstacle he will have to overcome. This is what the Democrats consume themselves with. They have to literally make this a major point in running for president. Is things just can't be too white. You can't have too many white people. You can't even have half white people. You gotta have a 
the, the least amount of white people as possible. Because it's just bad. White people are bad. Nobody, nobody likes white people. Get all the pasty white people. Put them in the back of the room. Take all the brown people. Put them on the stage behind me. Because we want to let people know that we love the brown people more than we love the white people. That's the Democrat way. But here's what Mayor Pete said. He asked his audience for their help. And he said, The honest answer to that question is I need your help. I need your help reaching out to anybody that could benefit from a more inclusive and more helpful, more hopeful politics. And that is something that has no color. This was when he was asked about the lack of racial diversity at a fundraiser in New York. That's when he said uh, that he's aware of the lack of diversity and some of his presidential campaign events, including the fundraiser, he was headlining there. And so that's his, uh, that's his idea to combat that. Tell all the white people, hey, we don't really like your support, but we need your help. We need you to go find us some token brown people to bring on in because we're never going to win the Democrat nomination with all these whiteies. Got to get rid of all these whiteies. And, and this is not <laughs> as absurd as that sounds, as those comments are. That's not actually his, his most absurd thing that he's said in this short time he's been running for president. This it really started, the first controversy was when he decided to go after Mike Pence, who he worked closely with in Indiana. Mike Pence being the govern, governor, he's a... Governor or Mayor Pete, obviously a mayor there in Indiana. And he gets on Twitter and shreds Mike Pence for wanting to legalize discrimination, which really translates into forcing private businesses to do what the government tells them to do. That's what legalizing legalizing discrimination means. But he was asked about it. On CNN, actually, Mike Pence made some comments uh, when he was asked about it. I think he was at the border. One of the CNN people came up or were doing an interview. And they asked him about Mayor Pete and what he thought about Mayor Pete, saying he wants to legalize discrimination, all this, that, and the other. And then Mayor Pete got to respond on the other side of that as he was in there in studio. Here it is. The vice president has said about you, of course, the history here for people who might not know it. You two worked together side by side toward factories together uh, when he was governor uh, of Indiana. Uh, here's what he told our Dana Bash on Friday about this issue. Here it is. You know, I've known Mayor Pete for many years. We worked very closely together when I was governor and uh, I considered him a friend. Um, and uh, he knows I don't have a problem with him. I. I don't believe in discrimination against anybody. I, I treat everybody the way that I want to be treated. I think Pete's quarrels with the First Amendment. Yes, All of us in this country have the the right to our religious beliefs. Is your quarrel with the First Amendment, Mr. Mayor? The Vice President is entitled to his religious beliefs. My problem is when those religious beliefs are used as an excuse to harm other people. Harm other people. You gotta pay attention to the terminology these people use. 
harm, harm other people. So he wants to paint the picture that physical harm is happening here. Which is when you really, when you really infringe on somebody else's rights. Because you're infringing on their right to life, right? If you're putting their life in danger by harming them, you are then risking their right to life. Harming their feelings does nothing with your life. Does not infringe on you living life. Maybe your pursuit of happiness, but that's a little loose. You've got control over your pursuit of happiness, not somebody else. When he advanced a discriminatory bill in 2015 under the guise of religious freedom that said it was lawful to discriminate provided you invoked religion as your excuse. And I just believe that's wrong. This isn't about him as a human being. This is about policies that hurt people, policies that hurt children. And to this day, uh, if you listen closely to what he said, you'll notice that to this day he has not brought himself to say that it shouldn't be legal to discriminate against people in this country because they're LGBT. Because it's not a thing, bro. That's why he hasn't brought it up. It's not real. It's make-believe. You can still be fired, denied housing, denied services because of who you are. He seems to be okay with that. I would love to see him evolve on that issue. Just as he evolved or uh, I think sort of evolved on Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Remember, this is somebody who was against Don't Ask, Don't Tell because he felt it was too pro-gay. He wanted to make sure that even closeted members mm. couldn't serve. Okay, that's where he started out. Then he finally brought himself to say that people like me, while serving, maybe could be allowed to, to still wear the uniform unless we revealed that we were gay, and then we should be fired. That is a terrible policy, and my quarrel with the vice president is over that. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing. Uh, as you see, Mayor Pete is on the attack, right? He is on a, an unprovoked attack. He's been attacking Mike Pence over and over, which is not going to vote well for him. I'll go ahead and say that. Especially since he's trying to be the guy that's going to bring other people from the other side and the moderates in. He's attacking Mike Pence, who, from public perception, is not really bothering anybody. He's just hanging out in the White House, doing some speeches from time to time. But he's not out there saying anything outrageous. He's not tweeting anything outrageous. He's not. He's just chilling. He's chilling. And Mayor Buttplug is on the offensive. He's attacking the vice president. He knows he can do that within his base because the way the Democrats, they view people in bundles. They, 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 they view them in sex. So, not sex, sex, like C-T-S. Uh, they view them as groups, okay? You've got straight white people, then you've got women, but you got to separate the women because the white women are less important than the brown women. Then you got the gay people, okay? Then you got the Muslims, and everybody's got a little bit of a different role. For the gay people, for the brown people, for the black people, and for the Muslim people. As long as they don't have conservative views or support any Republican candidate or politician, they are immune from attacks. 
So they are able to go attack people unprovoked, and they're not, they don't have to worry about being attacked back because if someone attacks them back, then guess what? We're back to discrimination. We're back to bigotry and racism and homophobia and Islamophobia. You can't attack them because they're protected by the Democrat Party. They can say whatever they want to about you. They can slander you. They can lie about you. But you're not allowed to go back at them. Now, would Mike Pence attack Mayor Pete? Of course not. Of course not. Probably not. He's probably not going to get in a sparring match with Mayor Pete. He's just going to let it go. He's going to play by their rules and say, eh, just let him, let him do what he's going to do. But if he did, Mike Pence would not be defending himself. He would be the bad guy because he had the audacity to go after a gay person. The first gay candidate for president had the audacity to do that when he has a history of legalizing bigotry and racism and discrimination. All things that are make-believe. Allowing private businesses to pick and choose who they want to serve is not discrimination. It's not legal discrimination. It's free will. You can't tell them what to do. You can't tell, and this is all, this is based on religious establishments, by the way. Saying that uh, people that own Hobby Lobby can't do X, Y, and Z. They can't do what they want to do with their business. Chick-fil-A, for instance, if they got in the business of not serving gay people, that would hurt them, and they'd probably put them out of business. But Mayor Pete thinks that the government should be able to say, you can be criminally charged for doing those things. He doesn't worry about discrimination becoming legal. He worries about free will and the free market becoming illegal. That's what he's looking to do. He and all the other Democrats would love to throw people in jail that run their business that way. They would. It's what they want to do. It's the way they view the world. If you don't agree with them, if your views don't line up with them, if you don't do what they tell you to do, if you don't believe the way they tell you to believe, you got to be dealt with. In every instance. But if they keep that up, it's not going to vote well for them. They end up, they're currently painting themselves in a corner with, first of all, Ilhan Omar. Remember, I said they had to denounce her. Well, then Donald Trump has now painted them into the corner of having to stand with her again. If you go pick any Democrat representative's Twitter, go look at it. You'll find a hashtag saying, I stand with Ilhan on their Twitter feed. Because Donald Trump took a clip of her saying uh, saying 9-11 was some people that did something. And then after that, it flashes images of, of 9-11, saying, that's not really just something, and we'll never forget, and all this stuff. Y'all have seen the video. Because he did that, now the Democrats are back with standing with Ilhan. 
who is anti-Semitic, who is a racist and a bigot. She is, and she's a radical Muslim. Donald Trump and the White House and the Trump campaign, they want Democrats to support Ilhan. They do. It's the same reason Donald Trump pulled this gimmick with saying, we're going to take all the illegal immigrants that come across the border that we can no longer house because we're running out of room because we have such a crisis on the border. We're just going to ship them to the sanctuary cities because that's what they want. They're inviting these people. Well, come on. We'll give them to you, cuz. He does that. And now the Democrats are like, wait a minute. We can't do that. He's weaponizing these immigrant families. How dare him try to send illegal immigrants to the cities that said they want illegal immigrants. So now he's making them look like they're against their own policies. And he's basically making them admit that there is a crisis at the border. Because they know that if all those illegal immigrants came to their cities, they would be overwhelmed in a day. They would have their own crisis within 24 hours if they started doing that. And they're losing Democrat. They're losing support because of it. Because people are realizing what they're doing. You remember Cher. You saw what she tweeted out over the weekend. She said, I understand helping struggling immigrants, but my city, Los Angeles, isn't taking care of its own. What about the 50,000 plus citizens who live on the streets? People who live below poverty, the poverty line, and that are hungry. If my state can't take of it, take care of its own, many are veterans, how can it take care of more? <laughs> and then Donald Trump retweeted it. He says, I agree with Cher, finally. These Democrats, the, the, the people that support these politicians are going to realize how hypocritical they're being. It's going to get to the point that they're not going to be able to avoid it. And Donald Trump is a, is a master at forcing these people to expose their own hypocrisy. He's a genius. And call me what you will. Call me a crazy lunatic Trump-supporting idiot that believes everything Fox News tells you. I don't care. I'm watching a mastermind manipulate and dictate the moves of the opposing political party. Every day, he does it. He can do it with one tap of the send button on Twitter. Manipulate the entire day for the Democrat Party. And force them to do his bidding. And of course, Chair, after posting that tweet, she got absolutely reamed by the people that claimed to support her for so long in her battle against Donald Trump and the Republicans. They all of a sudden hate her guts now. And she had to tweet about that as well. She said, I worked. I tried to explain myself. I cried about Notre Dame. I worked. I felt misunderstood. I worked. I wonder how people could condemn me after all I've done, after all I've said and done in life. Worked and compartmentalized my emotions took care of those in my care, remembered pain will wait for you, 
Choose joy now, cry later. <laughs> so she's confused now. She's confused why, <laughs> why all the people on her side now hate her guts. Which is, uh, which is funny. We could have given her a heads up on that. But uh, what she said is exactly right. These cities can't handle it. They can't even take care of their own people. And they're not going to be, be able to take care of immigrants that are coming into this country with nothing. Absolutely nothing. You know what they're coming with? You know what these immigrants are coming into this country with? Diseases that we've rid this country of for decades. They're coming in here with measles. They're coming in here with all these diseases in a time in American society where a lot of people don't feel safe vaccinating their kids. And I'm not going to get into the vaccine discussion. I'm not even going to tell you what my stance is on it. Actually, I'm okay with vaccines. But what that's that's not the debate. But that's a reality in this country right now. So you've got all these people coming into this country they don't have health care in their country and they've still got all these diseases that we got rid of years and years and years ago and they're bringing them right back here. The CDC just reported 555 cases of measles in this country. It's 2019, y'all, and the measles are back. That's it's not it's not a good thing. I know I'm laughing. But you, you, you've almost got to laugh to keep from crying because the Democrats and what they are doing to this country, it's insane. It's over the line, over the line show.com. If you are watching this live and you want to take the podcast with you wherever you go, we are available on all, almost all podcast platforms, anywhere you can find a podcast, you can likely find over the line. Just search it. Just do a Google thingy. Or just go to the website, overthelineshow.com. We'll take a quick break, come back on the other side, and we'll wrap this thing up. But I want to I want to play some of the audio from Bernie Sanders' town hall last night on Fox News. It was absolutely precious. Y'all hang tight. Are you looking to get the word out and help grow your business? Hey, it's Andrew from Over the Line, the podcast. We are looking to partner with brand new business owners to help grow their business and get the word out to our listeners so we can link them up with the best 
businesses around. They spend their hard-earned money on these products, on these services, and we want to make sure we get them teamed up with the right people. If you're interested in teaming up with this podcast and letting people know about your business, contact me, Andrew, at OverTheLineShow.com. That's Andrew at OverTheLineShow.com. us on the live video. I want to thank you guys again for uh, showing me so much love. As I filled in on 99.5 over the past couple of weekdays, had a good time. I'll be back up there soon. Don't you worry. Don't you worry about it. Also got some exciting stuff coming up for the website as well. As you know, it's pretty much in the same state it's been for a long time, but we're working on that. We're getting to a point in our lives where we can concentrate on the show a little more. But nonetheless, thank you. If you don't have us added on social media, look us up on Facebook. We post some really awesome memes on a regular basis over the line on Facebook. We're on YouTube as well. That is also called Over the Line. And me on the Twitters. At Andrew McLean Who. At Andrew McLean 1C Who. W-H-O. Andrew McLean Who. Follow me on the Twitters as I troll liberals across the globe. And I have a great time doing it. So last night, Bernie Sanders, uh, he accepts an invite from Fox News, which was very odd. And if you, you're going to give Bernie Sanders credit for anything, it should be the fact that he he had the cojones to go on Fox News and conduct this town hall. Now, if you watched it, you realized that there had to be some sort of payoff for Bernie Sanders for him to agree to it, and that was a super friendly crowd, not just an average Fox News crowd, which is the way the Democrats have been painting it. I watched Donna Brazil on The Five today, and she was like, well, you know, even he even got rounds of applause from a Fox crowd. That was no Fox crowd. <laughs> that was a Bernie Sanders. That was a crowd that was plucked directly from a Bernie Sanders rally, okay? Let's not let's not kid ourselves. But nonetheless, Bernie Sanders on Fox News. First of all, before I get into this audio, Bernie Sanders released leading up to this, and he promised last week that he was going to do this. He releases 10 years of tax returns because the Democrats are getting to the point where they realize they can't go on with their campaigns unless they release their tax returns, because 
They've spent two years demanding Trump release his tax returns, even saying that it's illegal for him not to release his tax returns, which is absolutely absurd. So now they're at a point where they're having to release their own tax returns. They've painted themselves in a corner yet again. So he releases those tax returns, and we, the public, find out that Bernie Sanders, socialist extraordinaire, taxer of the rich, giver of free stuff, is he himself a millionaire. And now that that's out in the public, he has changed his tune a little bit from attacking millionaires to now just attacking billionaires. He had to move the bar. You know, he used to say millionaires and billionaires were the enemies. Well, now he's dropped the millionaires part because we just found out he's a millionaire and it's just the billionaires that are the bad guys now. But that was one of the topics of discussion at this Fox News town hall, as you know. Something else we found out in his tax returns is that Bernie Sanders, who is so gracious that he wants to make sure everybody has free health insurance and free college, we found out that maybe he's not so gracious after all as he became a millionaire and still donated less than 1% of his money to charity in the first year that he made a million dollars. Less than 1%. Bernie Sanders, I'm a millionaire, but I like to give back to people. I'm going to give them 1%. And I don't know what he donated it to, but it's probably some kind of wacko leftist socialist group. I donated it to Venezuela so they could have the health insurance. Man, these moths. Did y'all hear that? Scared the crap out of me. I got to shut these doors. I don't even know that I got time to do it. But you hear that? That's crazy. These things are big, too. I won't be doing the show with the doors open anymore. So uh, that's a little bit of Bernie Sanders, uh, his tax returns. What we gathered from that. But he gets to this Fox News town hall. And first of all, he's very combative. Okay? He's combative right off the top, which I felt was inappropriate in the sense of the Fox News host of the town hall, which was Martha McCallum and Brett Bayer. Whereas being being as fair as anybody's ever been to Bernie Sanders. They weren't being combative. They were just asking him the questions that he knew would be coming. But he went on the attack from the get-go. I don't know if he just assumed they would be attacking him or what. But he did it from the get-go. And then once realizing that they're not really attacking him, he continued to do it. Here's a little bit of the beginning when Bernie Sanders goes in after the Fox hosts. Questions too. All right. Martha. So our, our question comes from Kathy Harrington. Kathy, what's your question Hi. for Senator Sanders? Hi, Senator Sanders. Welcome to the Lehigh Valley. 
So my question is, the definition of socialism is just a society agreeing to work together and combining their resources to make sure everyone is protected and taken care of. How can you challenge the idea that socialism is bad in the minds of well, the public? You might have asked them, not me. <laughs> but is this going to be a constant thing? No. It, <laughs> I mean, let, no, it will not. All right. All right. You ask me fair questions, I will give you fair answers. Thank you, sir. That's a deal. And then watch this. And you know, not everybody thought that I should come on this show. And we appreciate it. All right. Your network does not necessarily have a great deal of respect in my world, but I... There he goes, attacking Fox News again. Right after he said, I'm not going to attack you guys anymore. It was important for me to be here and have a serious discussion about serious issues. Sally asked a good question. Thanks for that question, Sally. And let's, let's talk about it. And I think it's an important issue, but it will come up. What is democratic socialism? Yeah. Fair question? Okay. So let's talk about it. What is democratic socialism? You know? I don't really know. What is it? Somebody answer that for me. Democratic socialism, to me, is creating a government and an economy and a society which works for all rather than just the top 1%. It means ending the absurd inequalities that exist today. And I want to lay this out because you're not going to hear this much on Fox and you're not going to hear this much in the media in general. And Another attack on Fox News. American people have got to conclude. Can we do a counter? Like, <laughs> Bernie Fox News account is currently at three. Whether we think it is appropriate and what America is about to have three families owning more wealth than the bottom half of the American society, 160 million people. Whether it's appropriate for the top 1% to own more wealth than the bottom 9... The bottom 90% or whatever he said. I don't even remember. And he goes on and on. And he, and he claims he's not demonizing wealthy people. <laughs> but he talks about how it's bad that these people own all this wealth. Well, then... We get to a point where Brett Bayer and Martha McCallum decide to bring up the fact that he is now a millionaire and why he doesn't go ahead and take the lead on giving the government the amount of money, percentage-wise, that he thinks millionaires should be paying, which is like 50-something percent, 52 percent. Like, well, why don't, you, why don't you go ahead and do it? And he completely completely dodges the question and falls flat on his face. I'm asking you about the wealthy and how much higher you would make it. You said yeah, you, I, you I don't, don't agree with 70%. What would your number be? In the campaign in 2016, we talked about 52%. All right, so 52%. So would you be willing to pay 52% on the money that you made? Oh, you can volunteer. You can send a check. Oh, you can volunteer, too. We have a... But you suggested... He didn't answer the question. He's, well, you can volunteer. Everybody in your bracket should do. And Martha, why don't you give? You make more money than I well, do. I that is a sign of desperation to get out of that argument. Why don't you do it? Man. Well, Martha is not suggesting that people that have a lot of money give over half of it to the government. You are. And you're running for president, you big dope.
I didn't suggest a wealth tax. And she's not running for president. And All right, but we're going to fight for a wealth tax. And we're going to demand that we end the absurdity where major corporation after major company. You know what? Yeah, in this, tax bill, in this right tax bill that you are defending, families like the Koch brothers, of course you're defending it. Families propose. like the Koch brothers get billions and billions of dollars in savings. That is absurd. Trump wants to repeal the entire estate tax. Huge tax breaks for billionaires. You got another question? Well, we have many about. questions. We have many questions. <laughs> listen, it, we want to get substance. We want to get details. Well, let's do it. And, and the audience has a time. I don't know autograph detail. All those type of talking points. <laughs> questions, too. All right. Martha? So. And then some lady in the Shut up, lady. We're trying to do a town hall here. Anyway, that's Bernie Sanders being combative and scrambling to pass the buck off to Martha McCallum, saying, why should I have to pay the rate that I'm asking other people that make the same money that I do pay? Why don't you do it? <laughs> so ridiculous. And then, and then Bernie Sanders is asked about Ilhan Omar, who we talked about a little earlier in the show, and how she is a, an anti-Semitic, racist, bigoted, um, uh, Sharia-loving extremist Muslim. And there's no way around that. She has all of those things. And I stand by those words. He is asked, as a Jewish person, if he thinks she is anti-Semitic or says anti-Semitic things. You are looking to become the first Jewish president. Yep. You're also a staunch supporter of Congresswoman Ilhan Omar, who even... Hold on, hold on, hold on. No. I've talked to Ilhan about twice in my life, so... But you've tweeted, I respect tweeted her, support for But her. this is what I do support. I support a, a Muslim member of Congress not to be attacked every single day in outrageous racist right. remarks. Sure. Outrageous racist remarks. See, she can't be at fault for any of this stuff. Why? Because she's Muslim. Or as Bernie Sanders says, she's Muslim. Like she's a cow. She's Muslim. Get it? Because they can't eat bacon. They have to eat burgers. She's Muslim. Anyway. Um, yeah. The Democrats view people like Ilhan as people that can do no wrong and can't be attacked if they are attacked, no matter what the attack is about, that means the attacker is a proven racist. My question is that even some fellow Democrats had some problems, uh, have accused of you, that her of using language kind of associated with anti-Semitism. Can you understand why some yeah. Jewish Americans would have a problem well, with some of that? Yeah, I, I can understand. I think that that is not quite right. And I think that Ilana has got to do maybe a better job in speaking to the Jewish community. But if, if your question to me is, do I think she is anti-Semitic? No, I don't. No, it's not her. I'm saying in the thread in yeah, the I can Democratic understand. Party. But here is the point also. But if anybody else from the other side, especially Donald Trump, even remotely said something that would mimic something uh, on the, in the white supremacy crowd, something they would say, it would be definitive proof that he is a white supremacist. But for Ilhan, somebody that's not allowed to be criticized, 
She gets a pass. She, she just got to work on how she talks to the Jews. No big deal. That's all it is. Just a little, little miscommunication is all. I'm Jewish. I lost my father's family, was devastated by Hitler. So this is an issue of some sensitivity to me. So I will do everything in my power, and I hope that every member of Congress will fight not only anti-Semitism, but racism and anti-Muslim activity so that we create a non-discriminatory society. Muslim. It is not anti-Semitic to be critical of a right-wing government in Israel. That is not anti-Semitic. Another excuse. It's okay for her to attack them because we view Benjamin Netanyahu and his administration as extreme right wing. That's not it. You don't, you don't get to do that. You don't get to take your anti-Semitism and pretend it's something else. And the Jewish community should be absolutely ashamed by the likes of Bernie Sanders for sticking up for this literal terrorist. Um, do you believe that... that oh, wait, no. Do you believe that, that murderers and rapists or thieves or child molesters should have the right to vote from prison? Oh, uh, oh, uh, oh, oh, oh. I forgot about this. This is not part of what, what I was originally wanting to play you guys, but I want to go through with this. The question, as you just heard, does Bernie Sanders believe that if you are in prison, if you are a felon, that you should have the right to vote? But in particular, if you are in prison for murder, for pedophilia, for rape, should you be allowed to cast a vote in local or federal elections? Good question. All right, this is in my state. It, it, I, I recently researched this. It turns out that in our Constitution in the state of Vermont, for hundreds of years, everybody has the right to vote, okay? So I think you make this division. If somebody does something terrible, they're a rapist, they're a murderer, we send them away. Sometimes we send them away from life. But I also think that integral to who we are as Americans, no matter what kind of terrible things you did, you're paying the price. Maybe you're in jail for the rest of your life, but you have the right to vote. All right, and I'll tell you why. Whoa, man. Bernie Sanders going all out saying, if you are a child molester, you still, you still have the right to vote. Still have the right to cast a vote so that we create a non-discriminatory society. But it is not anti-Semitic to be critical. Well, we went backwards. Hang on, let's try it again. Joe is somebody who I have known for many, many years. Joe is a- Oh, this is them talking about Joe Biden. Where did we go? So once you start, it's like, you committed a crime, you can't vote. Or you did this, you can't vote. You did that, you can't vote. I don't like that. Every American 18 of age of older who's a citizen in this country has the right to vote. What if, they, what if they say the same thing about you, that you just want felons to vote because you, it will be better for you? Oh, come on. I mean, they could say the same thing, right? 
And you have done a scientific study to No, I'm just that. saying that everybody wants... He is the biggest question dodger I've ever seen in politics, at least in recent memory. But do you hear that crowd? The Democrats have the audacity to say it was a Fox News crowd. While the entire crowd is cheering everything Bernie said. They're cheering for the fact that he just said child molesters should be able to vote. And then booing the Fox News host for pushing back. But yeah, that's, that's a Fox News audience, sure. That's extreme. And you know what that opens? You, know, you may say to yourself, well, what's it matter? It's just one vote. One vote for a child molester is not going to sway elections or anything. But how far do you got to go? How long before somebody from the organization NAMBLA, the National, the National Association of Man-Boy Love of America, or whatever it stands for, it's a pedophilia organization where they promote if you love someone... The government shouldn't tell you you can't love that person, as in grown adults and children. How long before somebody runs on that platform, knowing that child molesters now get to vote? They've got a built-in voter base. They've got some guaranteed votes right off the top. That's those people in prison, or those, those sex offenders that aren't in prison. They're going to vote for that guy because they like kids. They're sick in the head. If you violate a child like that, not only should you not vote, you should never see the light of day, and that is if you were spared the death penalty. There should be no leniency for people that violate children. Giving them the right to vote should never even be a thought in anybody else's head, and you are a sick, perverted individual if you think they do have the right to vote. As far as I'm concerned, when you say that, you are promoting or excusing that pedophilia. I'll wait a little further in the campaign before I put Bernie Sanders in that category. Well, never mind. Bernie Sanders is promoting pedophilia. I'll say it. Who cares, right? Nobody listens to this podcast anyway, so it doesn't matter. Uh, But he is a sick, 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 sick individual. And anybody that says that is sick. Anyway, that's that's the gist of of the... um, That's the gist of the Bernie Sanders town hall. Just that little bit you heard pretty much describes the entire thing. So you don't really need to hear anything else on that front. Dodging questions at breakneck speed and doing everything he can to avoid the fact that he is now a millionaire being a hypocrite saying people should pay 52% of their taxes. But he'll have a lot of support. And honestly... There's part of me that hopes he wins the primary and goes up against Trump. That'll only vote well for Trump, especially when he's seeing outrageous things such as that. I hope he sticks to that. He talked about late-term abortion as well, and I don't, I don't think I've got that clip. Um, hold on. Maybe we do. Maybe we do. Bernie Sanders. 
question. You, you said yesterday, I watched your rally in Pittsburgh, that no one should tell a woman what to do with her own body. With, with regard to abortion, do you, with regard to abortion, do you believe that a woman should be able to terminate a pregnancy up until the moment of birth? Look, I think that that happens very, very rarely, and I think this is being made into a political issue. Okay, so I think here's what I believe: if it's only a few babies that are being murdered after birth, well, it's okay. It doesn't matter. It's only happened a few times, so it doesn't matter. What if what if the the murder rate in this country, people just cold-blooded killing people. What if that murder rate dropped to historic lows and there was a very small amount of people that were still out there murdering people just at random? Just killing people. They got a few to kill somebody. And it only happens every now and then. Would we decriminalize murder at that point and say, meh, it's not really happening that much, so what's the point? Just take that law off the books. It's crazy. It's the same argument you hear where they're like, well, if you ban abortions, you know, people just be doing it with coat hangers in the back alleys. What? What kind of argument is that? It's like saying, what's the point in, in, in making heroin illegal? People are just going to do it anyway. Anyway, Bernie Sanders continues on, if I can get you there. This is being made into a political issue, okay? So I think it's rare it's being made into a political issue, but at the end of the day, I believe that the decision over abortion belongs to a woman and a physician, not the federal government, not the state government, and not the local government. Isn't it amazing that Democrats want the government to control every aspect of your life and want to be the sole entity that you depend on, except when it comes to murdering children? (laughs) That's the one thing. That's the one thing where they say, you know what, government doesn't need to be involved in that. Look at government's like, why would government want to control your decisions? It's your body, your choice. Government has no business being in there. (laughs) It's the only thing where y'all say government doesn't need to be involved in. Everything else, government has to step in and save the day. But that's Bernie Sanders' rally. I hope you enjoyed it. It was good. Speaking of taxes, though, 52%. Bernie Sanders say people making over 250000 a year, which is good money, but it's not an incredible amount of money, okay? Making 250000 a year makes you well off, not filthy rich. But he thinks you should be taxed at an extremely high rate at that point. While the other guy that's currently occupying Pennsylvania Avenue, that guy has lowered everybody's taxes, which is something that that the Democrats aren't even bringing up now. They've just completely thrown out lowering your taxes. They've thrown that out the window.
Bernie Sanders was asked about paying for people's insurance, medical care. And he said, here's the deal. Everybody has a right to health care. It's a right. And yes, taxes will go up a little bit. But everybody will have health care. It'll be free health care. No, actually, that's, that's not how that works. It's not free if you're raising people's taxes. That just means they're paying for their health care, but they're just paying it through the goods that they buy and the income that they receive. They're paying for it before they use it. That's, that's, that's basically what he's saying. You're just not paying it when you get to the doctor's office, or you're not paying it to the insurance company every month. You're paying it every time you spend money or make money. That's not free. Nothing's free, y'all. Nothing. Nada. Nothing. But as I was saying, Donald Trump actually lowering taxes, which seems like an absurd con concept, but he is. It's such an absurd concept that there's a lot of Americans that don't even believe that they received a tax cut. There's a good chunk of Americans that believe Donald Trump raised their taxes. That's right. <laughs> raised their taxes. Two-thirds of American taxpayers, they paid less in taxes for their 2018 earnings. Two-thirds of this country paid less taxes last year. And that's according to the Independent Tax Policy Center, okay? Not a Republican or a Democrat research place. That's the, that's the Tax Policy Center. 81% of the middle one-fifth of income earners received a tax cut. Just 5.5% of households got a tax hike of $100 or more. And most of those were in the upper income bracket. So a small amount of people. But instead of celebrating the lower tax bill, as Americans should be doing, as they prepared their taxes, which tax day was yesterday, on April 15th, instead of celebrating that, many Americans remain convinced they got no tax cut at all, or even that their taxes went up. There was an NBC Wall Street Journal poll this month that showed 17% of Americans believe their taxes have been cut. Only 17%. A shocking 28% of Americans say they believe their taxes went up. Yeah, 28% of Americans think they, their taxes were increased. And, and that's not just that one survey. There's several other surveys that are consistent with that number. So why in the world do people think their taxes went up? Well, because one, we've got a bunch of brain-dead people in this society. And two, Democrats are dumb enough to think the same. They're actually telling people, because they're not getting as much of a refund, a tax refund during tax season, that means their taxes went up. When it's the freaking opposite. First of all, you shouldn't be relying on your tax refund 
If you are, you're probably setting a pretty low standard for your financial lifestyle. But when you receive less on your tax refund, you know what that means? It's a refund, by the way. It's money. It's your money. And it's all dependent on what you had paid to the government for that previous year. When you get less back from the government, that means you paid less in taxes. It's the money you paid. So when you pay less and they give it back to you, guess what? You're getting back less. But Democrats have the audacity to say, well, look at that. They've cut your tax refund. You're getting less money. Why? Why do they do that? Because they view that as free money. They don't view it as your money. It's their money. And they're nice enough. Big Brother is nice enough to just give you some free money back. Which is so kind. So generous. So kind. of The federal government to give us free money. Free money, y'all. It's tax season. You get free money. I posted, uh, if you go look at the Over the Line Facebook page, there's a picture of uh, a depicting tax day. Even though taxes were cut, the government's still screwing you over, I assure you. It's a picture of three dogs. One dog is humping another dog, and then another dog is trying to pull something away from the dog getting humped. In anyway, I, I'm going to have a hard time explaining it, but just go to the Overline page and look at it. It's pretty funny. That would be Over the Line on Facebook. Also, at Andrew McLean, who on Twitter and uh, Over the Line on YouTube. Actually, if you go to OverTheLineShow.com, all of our social media stuff is right there. All you got to do is click on the little icon, and it'll take you there. And you can follow us. It's that easy. I'm out of here. Y'all have a fantastic day, a fantastic evening, whenever you happen to be listening to this show. If we're not back tomorrow, we will definitely be back Thursday as the Mueller report is finally released. Redactions and all by the hands of William Barr. It will be exciting, I promise. Thank you guys so much. And until next time, see you, Cole.